1: Welcome to the UK's Fast Metal Detection Podcast. It's All Metal Mode UK,
2: with your host from across the pond, Mr. Michael Hare.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Mike here, and you're listening to the All Metal Mode Podcast UK edition. Uh welcome, welcome in. I boy, this should be a really good, exciting show. I've really been waiting for this since Dave uh, brought it up, and and I've seen some of the articles and stuff. Wow, this this uh, this has definitely been something I've been looking forward to. So, Mister Dave, how you doing?
2: I'm not too bad,
1: Michael. How's yourself, rough? I'm really rough. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, hey, uh,
2: I liked your leg. The look right of your leg. Yeah, most delightful.
1: Mm, beautiful. Now that's, that that picture is from yesterday. I ha- I ha- I was at the hospital Saturday doing that. That's still what it looks like.
2: And that, for the listeners.
1: Yeah, I so I believe not not just past thursday the thursday before i was out metal detecting i believe it was it was i believe it was that day or the it was the next day i woke up i had a what i thought was a spider bite um steph agreed thought it was a spider bite and it it just seemed to get worse and worse and i'm really stubborn and i didn't want to go take care of it and it turned into a staph infection. So Saturday, I hobbled my butt to the hospital. They had to cut it out, which I'm telling you was miserable. Um, oh, Dave, you would think you think with today's technology they could they could relieve some of that pain. But I'm telling the, the the doctor looked at me and she said, "You're going to scream. You're going to cuss. It's okay. Just breathe." And I thought, I'm a man. Ah, yeah, that's what I did, man. I screamed like a little schoolgirl. is what I did. It, it hurt. Um, they cut it open, then she squeezed on it and stuff, and I'm on antibiotics. I'm just yesterday was my best day. I'm starting to get around a little bit, be able to stand on my feet for more than five minutes, ten minutes. and uh, So, um, yeah, good one.
2: <laughs> what, uh, what spider was it? Obviously, you got... Bigger and more atrocious spiders than we have in the UK. Any idea what it was?
1: No clue. Poisonous, I would suspect, because it was nasty before it even turned into... uh, um, Yeah, so it's... it's, But I'm doing better. Doing better. Good, good. Mm -hmm. So tonight's guest is Mr. Mike Smith. And uh, I'm sure many of you read and heard found the recently found the Celtic chariot uh in the UK and that is awesome. Dave, I'm sure you know and we'll talk to him, but isn't that like the first one didn't I read?
2: It's the first to be discovered in uh, Wales I think, yeah. And it's Celtic Michael, not Celtic. Celtic's Celtic. a football team in Scotland.
1: Okay, my bad <laughs> <laughs> as us dumb Americans. <laughs> celtic okay looks like it's a c but it sounds like a k got it right yeah. i got it mike how are you doing tonight uh not too bad good good you you nervous or you excited
2: uh i'm excited
1: <laughs> good good yeah. that's great
2: good to have you on yeah, so you. mike yeah. you're the recent finder of the celtic chariot in pembrokeshire uh I am, yes i seen in the the uk Tell us a little about about yourself to start off with.
3: Um, well, I started metal detecting when I was twelve. I had a metal detector um, for Christmas in nineteen seventy seven. Um, I found my first um, cannonball in nineteen seventy nine, Civil War cannonball, um, and I've never never looked back.
2: And in that time, what 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 machines have you used? I've used everything from um, the
3: first machine I had was a Cope. Um, the next one I had was a White's, um, a White's Coin Master 2, one of the early ones. Um, since then, I've had everything from um, from the Garrett Ace range all the way through to the AT Pro. Um, I've had the Fisher, um, the F44, the F19, uh, the F75 SE LTD. Um, I've currently got an E-Track.
1: Awesome. Hey, uh, if you guys don't mind, we do not have C-scope here, can, can, and everybody mentioned C-scope on the show. Can you tell me a little bit about the C-scopes? I'm just out of my curiosity.
3: Um, well, today, I don't really know that much about them. Um, okay. The one I had in 1977, it was just two buttons. Um, you had threshold, and you had on and volume. Um, and basically, it was a monotone machine. You just dug every signal. Every signal sounded the same. Um, But in my first two years with that machine, I grew up opposite an abandoned military barracks. And in that first two years, I had 172 different military barges, um, regiments from all over the world. Um, As well as, uh, to my parents' dismay sort of thing, I'd I'd have mills bombs, which is the British name for the grenade. uh, Mortars, plate mines, bullets, uh, you name it, I probably dug it up. That's
2: fantastic. Do you know uh, there's a picture in existence which I'm trying to find at the moment, Mike? Uh,
0: yeah.
2: circa 1977 of me and my dad uh, in Frodium, which is in Cheshire, yeah. uh, using the old uh, an old C scope. Uh, oh wow! It el- eludes me exactly which one because it, I did an article uh, put up on the website on the uh, Archaeology and Metal Detective Magazine website, but unfortunately yeah. uh, it all went down and. I'm still looking for the article itself. But well, what I'll well, do well, with that for people interested in, in my sexy styling, hmm. I'll uh, I'll place that on the um, All Metal Mode UK podcast uh, page on Facebook. Yeah. Hey, yeah, um,
1: make a note. I would like to have somebody uh, that's familiar with the C-Scope sometime on, if that's at all possible.
2: Well, we I'd have got to... good communication with uh, the C-Scope organization, so uh, we, we were actually... in discussions with them for a while, at Detectable back in September, so I'm sure the representative from Seascope will come on if uh, myself or Luke can make that happen.
1: That'd be great, that'd be great. Um, Mike, so you listed quite a few detectors, give us some of your favourites out of those.
3: Um, Well, if the original Seascope I had hadn't broke, um, I'd have kept that a lot longer. Um, Unfortunately, the lugs around the coil broke on it, and at that time, they were hardwired into the control box. Um, okay. And I mean, I was I was a youngster, so I I couldn't resolder them then. Um, but it basically just had the on volume um, and a threshold button, and it had like a the easiest way to describe it to, to is it, like a shepherd's um, crook shape handle on it. Okay. Uh, um, brilliant machine, very deep. Um, but unfortunately, you didn't know if you were digging tin foil or if, or if you were digging bullets or coins. You just you just whatever it was, it you was. Dug. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Now you mentioned the F forty four. I I think that's a brilliant little detector for that price. What what do you what do you think about it?
3: The only thing I didn't like about it was a concentric coil. I'm used mm-hmm. to the double D coils. Um, very good depth with it. Um, brilliantly stable machine. Um, very little falsa. uh Accurate on the VDIs. Um, lightweight, waterproof. What more do you want?
1: <laughs> right, right. I agree. They're great. Those, uh, the, I, I had an F-22 and, uh, actually I sent it home with my stepson, um, yeah. when, after he visited this past summer and he really likes it. And, uh, but I love, I think for that price range to have an iron audio, uh, is pretty brilliant here at least for us here, here, here because we have so much iron. I know you guys do too. We've had that yeah conversation. I got beat up a little bit. And, um, sometimes you got, you, uh guys from england beat up on me a little bit on the show um especially dave not mentioning any names <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's that's awesome so um oh so how long you been metal detecting uh,
3: 41 years
1: wow 41 years yeah i'm 42
2: yeah. you're younger than me sure all <laughs> i'm not having that. Oh, 42 I have, I have, oh, that's broke me heart that has now
3: you mean 42 years you've been detecting all your no th- no
1: <laughs> i'm 42 i turned 43 in january if that helps dave
2: right. i'm 45 in may No, it doesn't <laughs> help michael no, no i'm 53
1: <laughs> well this should help you dave you know i've got a baby at 42 that's rough i feel like i'm 45 plus so that boy's got a lot of energy
2: I'm 44 at the minute. Mm. I'm gutted now, mate. Luke's younger (laughs) than me as well. I'm the old man here now, aren't I?
3: (laughs) No, you're you're younger than me. (laughs) I'm
1: 53. I'll tell you something. I've I've been metal detecting about 23 years, somewhere in there. I I think I've been saying that for two years now. I don't know. But I, I, I feel like I've learned a lot in this hobby. I know a lot of different detectors. I know a lot but what keeps me so humble and and the second i think i know a lot is the guys like you have who have been doing it for double what i've been doing it for and stuff so that 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 cer- certainly helps keep me humble and uh keeps keeps me from getting a big head cuz i'm sure you could teach us all a little something without a doubt um do you have a lot of permissions i do yes um
3: where I live, it's a very uh, it's a rural area. There's a lot of farms. Um, one of my farmers, he actually owns five separate farms. Um, must be about five six thousand acres along oh, his farm. Um, wow. Another farm he owns four. Got to be about four five thousand acres. Um, but yeah, I've got more fields than I can actually do myself. So I take I take some friends with
1: me. That's incredible. Have you had okay, some so I of make those?
3: Sure. Sorry, I I make sure I've got permission from the farmers first, because some of them don't like you taking people on their land. Right, right.
1: Now, have you had some of those for a long time, I'm guessing?
3: Uh, Yes, yeah. Um, Since the early
2: 80s. Gosh. Oh, wow. And and as the the different machines that you've used, I take it you've used them on the same sites, and have you discovered more with, with different machines?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely without doubt, one of the deepest machines I'd say I've had, um, I had the Fisher F-75SE um, LTD and I put a Mars Discovery coil on it. Um, now, the first day that I found um, the Celtic horse harness junction piece, which that's a, that's a piece that looks like a flower, um, that was only a few inches down. Now, the following day I went back um, with my Fisher F-75 LTD. Um, I had the mine lab on the day before um and i was pulling up these pieces then were 18 to 22 inches deep mm. um the ground was the ground was wet um which obviously that amplifies your signal but uh i don't think i'd have found that with many other machines
1: that's impressive yeah that's that is yeah. deep so for, for some of these people you know i've even heard from guys over in england who say oh that field's been pounded and stuff none of them are, are hunted out really are they
3: um yeah they can they can be for um for, for one of two reasons really um one they've been done a lot but two if they're just pasture and they're plowed um, okay yeah nothing gets brought back up then but if, if they are plowed every couple of years or something then it, it brings more stuff up
1: yeah I mean I just would think I see some of these pictures of these vast fields and and once in a while I'll see somebody say you know everything's out of there. I mean I just find there's so many different detectors and you know ground conditions and stuff. I think it's hard to say that any place is really ever just empty of all finds.
3: You know yeah, I I don't think that's possible.
1: Right. Right. So give give hope to some of some of us that haven't been doing it as long. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us about some of your uh, your finds before this.
3: Um, well, I've had hammered coins, um, you know, a, a Civil War cannonball, um, loads of, of finds, but nothing um, in this sort of caliber. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, my early days as metal detecting was in an old military barracks. So it was, most of that was military related. Um, I remember one day I found what I thought was a poker, an old fire poker, um, a triangle in shape, um, and I threw it in the mud mudflap stand by the river by me, uh, and it wasn't until I got home I realized it was a Civil War bayonet.
1: Okay. Oh, wow.
3: Yeah, um, never found it again.
1: Now, when you say Civil War, um, I'm sure we'll get some uh, of us Americans
2: listening in. What what war are you, are you speaking of?
0: I mean, it's, about
2: the, it's a proper one, not one of them. Them ones over there. It's proper, the, the early one, the proper one. <laughs> yes,
3: yeah. Um, sort of the, the 1800s. Um, okay. 1642
2: to 1651 was the English Civil War. Yes, yeah. As between this, the round, the, the parliamentarians who were the roundheads and the royalists who were the cavaliers, as they yeah. were known.
3: Yeah, you had you had Oliver Cromwell um, against the royals, basically then.
2: Okay, okay. I
1: need to research up on that. That's
2: come up a well, couple of times. I'll send you over a, a book. I've got the British history for dummies here, so I'll send that over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. I'm a dummy. I'll, I'll say it. I'm a dummy. Oh, I'll be honest
2: with you, Mike. It's actually a, it's, it's called a, it, um, a range of book for dummies in the U.K., uh, which is basically simplified versions of of history, of Freemasonry, which I've got the, the book of that. Um, My wife's got the fertility one, and it basically gives you all the information that you you need as a basis, and it, it does it well.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
2: Alan, it does it in terms that anybody can understand, not, you know, somebody with a bachelor's degree or somebody who hasn't even been to school. It's a right. terrific selection of books.
1: Great. Yeah, that sounds interesting for sure. I'd like to read up on it. Did I lose you guys for a second? Sound like I lost somebody.
3: No, not me. No, I'm still here.
1: Okay. Everything kind of went silent on my end for a second, but I guess we're okay.
2: That'll be the tumbleweeds, probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you, you, you got any
2: questions? Yeah, I've you, you got lists and lists of them. So okay. before your find on this site, what, what would have been your personal favourite uh, find, your best find?
3: Um, well, that's, that's, that's a very difficult question. I mean, you know, every day that I go out, um, I find something that I like. Um, a couple of months ago, I had a, um, a King Richard I, um, you know, Richard the Lionheart. I Had a, right. one of his pennies, um, absolutely lovely condition. Um, I had a, a civil war, sorry, civil war Oliver Cromwell um, penny. Uh, I had that not too far from here, um, and that was the war, you know, the civil war, um, sixteen forty nine to sixteen sixty. Um, so only it was only in existence for eleven years, so obviously they're very rare. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't in the best of condition, but lovely, you know to know that you've had something in your hand there that's been in the ground for 400 years, it's, it's, it makes us special. Mm.
2: Do, you, uh, do you go on many organised rallies, or is it you know just your own permissions and friends' permissions and such like?
3: Just my own, believe it or not. Um, I've never, ever been on a rally. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
3: I'd like to go on a rally, um, but unfortunately for me, I, I live in as far west Wales as you can live in. If, if basically, if... I can look from where I am and I can see Ireland.
2: Whereabouts Um, are you, actually? Milford Haven, Pembrokeshire. Oh, yeah. I used to spend most of my time as a child at uh, New Hedges at Saundersfoot.
3: Oh, by Temby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time there myself.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, you do live pretty
3: far over there, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of the rallies are, you know, 300 miles away
2: from me. Yeah, fair dues. Well, obviously, if we ever heard of anything in the South Wales area, we'll... uh, I'll give Luke a shout and he'll let you know about that, obviously, and try and yeah, get. Yeah, that'd be out. great. Um, on to the chariot then. Yeah. Obviously, this was one of your permissions. Uh, yes. You know, yes. it's all the news and whatnot. Tell us about the permission and how it came to actually transpiring that you visited that site on that day.
3: Well, what happened was um, if you remember in February here, we had three weeks of torrential rain. Um, at the at the end of January, um, so come the beginning of February, all of my fields were waterlogged, and I mean, you, you know, you couldn't walk in them without getting caked in mud.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, the one field I had, um, which I didn't particularly like, because it was an old ploughed field, um, you couldn't get your spade in, in the first inch of it; it was just like concrete. But it was the only field that I had to go in, um, so I was determined I was going to go out. This is the field I went in. Um, and unusually like it's, it's not ploughed anymore. It's pasture you now. There's sheep in there, Um every time I go in the field, the sheep scatter. Well, this one day, I, I climbed over the gate, and the feet were around my legs. They wouldn't leave me alone. Um, my first signal was that Celtic horse harness junction piece, um, two thousand years old, and only a few inches under the ground. Wow. Um, the sheep, you know, they just wouldn't leave me alone. I went. Um, a little bit further down found a couple a little bit more then it started to rain Um, so I came home and uh, I showed my find on on Facebook and um, Julian Hart from Treasure Hunting Magazine um, he told me exactly what it was I wasn't 100% sure at the time because the oldest I'd had at that time was early medieval Um, although I've had Roman you know nothing Celtic Um, so you know Julian couldn't believe it either Uh, the following day then I went back um, with my Fisher F-75SE, with the Discovery coil on. And uh, I found the other pieces. The rest is uh, is, is history, basically. Um, go on, sorry.
2: Tell us about your feeling, then, when, when you originally saw the first item in the in the mud. Did you then think it was something special, or did you just think, oh, it's just something else?
3: No. Um, straight away, I knew it was special. Um, My only regrets was not actually photographing the pieces in the hole before I lifted them out. Um, The problem I had was the ground was so hard, it was quite a narrow hole. It was only about a foot round, perhaps a little Mm. bit more. Um, And it was 18 inches deep. And I I was virtually having to get onto my stomach to reach down with my hand. Oh, wow. You know, um, and I could see the piece. It looks a bit like a mask when you look at it. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the pictures there. I'm looking um, at it, it now yeah and it, it turns out that that's a, a brooch that was worn on the side of the celtic chieftain's horse that or pony i should say that was attached to the chariot um and it's only the second one ever found anywhere in the world um wow. and straight away looking at it i didn't realize it was a brooch to begin with um you know i thought it was some sort of you know um well, it's difficult to say really um decorative horse harness piece, so, you know, um, but it's, it's quite big, it's about eight inches long.
1: Hey, Dave, real quick, do you mind posting the link to that article you're on?
2: The, yep, certainly I'll do that right this moment so people can, uh, read that. Okay. This I is, uh, off the, from the, from the BBC website, uh, which I'm, I'm sure Michael know all about. And all the images yeah. on there, I believe, are actually Mike's own images as well. Yeah, they yeah, yes. Whole, the original Mike's images. Yeah.
3: The only mistake I will say the BBC has made, when Gareth Knowles spoke to me on the phone and he took down the information, he's mistakenly said the burial is 2,600 years old, um, 600 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual um, ramparts and the Celtic fort, that is 2,600 years old. The burial is um, 2,000 years old, sort of 25 to 75 AD.
2: Oh, wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> so um, what was your initial reaction, Mike, when, when you uh, dug it out? Was it, uh, was it stakes of shock and awe, or excitement? Yeah, or b- it, b- was b- both, amusement?
3: It, it was both. It was both. Without sounding selfish, about three months before that, um, I was regularly detecting with a detecting partner. Um, but due to work commitments on his on his own part. We hadn't been metal detecting together uh, for about three months. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's going to sound selfish sort of thing, but if I'd been with him that day, it, you know, it, it would be both of us that would have found it. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice, but, you know, it's one of those things.
1: Hey, I, I've uh, kind of along those lines, something that Luke always... Uh, wants us to ask just about anybody we have on, and I've really grown to love the question. And I think this is really relevant right now. Um, have you have you seen have you ever been with somebody when they found something really special?
3: Um, no, to be honest, no. Um, because ninety percent of the time, I detect on my own anyway. I'm now taking a friend of mine metal detecting. Um, a fella Andrew Roth. He lives in Nayland, Pembrokeshire. Um, he comes metal detecting with me now. I take him on my sights. Um, he has very few permission. Um, and, and, you know, so it's, it's nice to have a little bit of company. Um, but unfortunately, no, not in this neck of the woods. It's, it's I've only ever had four Roman brooches um, in the 41 years. I've had nine Roman coins. That's all I've had in this in this location. Hmm. Um, so to find something like this... Um, you know, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I still can't.
2: Hmm. Um, and what was the signal like?
3: Believe it or not, on the F75, I thought I was digging lead. It was hmm. in the 40s. Um, I was convinced it was lead, and I was convinced it was big lead because it was such a good tone, um, and it was so deep. I, I didn't think it could be anything else. Um, and then when I got down, when I could see the green, um, and the day before, I'd spoke to Julian Hart from Treasure Hunting Magazine. Um, and he knows his stuff, you know. Um, so thanks to Julian, going back on the second day, I knew what I was looking at. Um, and, I, you know, I just couldn't believe it.
2: I've, I've got to give my... Well, while we're talking about Julian, I've got to give Julian a mention. He's uh, the uh, editor of Treasure Hunting Magazine in the UK. And uh, to, be, to be quite honest, there's not many people with as much knowledge... Uh, as many people who are as nice as he is, and as many people I could sit and listen to talk to for hours and hours and hours, because yes, he's yeah. just just absolutely so knowledgeable about the subject. Complete kudos to uh, to Julian and everything he's done for metal detecting in the UK over the years as well. Yes,
3: uh, yeah, definitely
2: fantastic. So, um, being a large target, it's something many detectors would have generally walked over. Uh, did, did did you did you think, oh, it's too big, I'm, I'll carry on, or it's the wrong signal, I'll carry on?
3: Well, no, believe it or not, um, the ground was so hard, um, it took me half an hour to get through the first four to five inches, I'd say. Mm. Um, I just couldn't get my spade in the ground, so I was just chipping away at it sort of thing and turning out the stones and then a little bit more and turning out the stones, and it took me a good half hour. Uh-huh. Um, but the signal, I knew it wasn't rubbish. I thought it might be lead. Um but I knew there was no risk of it, you know, being a being a big piece of iron or or trash. Um you know, it was one of those signals that you just had to dig it. And knowing what I'd found the day before, and that was only four inches down, and it was the same, you know, the same sort of signal, so I, I had to dig it. Um funny enough, Julian himself and a few other people the day before turned round once they realized what it was that I'd found. Um, the words to me was you'll never top that Mike that's you know, that's, that's, that's <laughs> it and you're never going to beat it and mm. I went back the following day and I, I sent Julian some more pictures and uh, when he saw him he couldn't believe it either I've
2: just actually had the Julian loving haven't I <laughs>
3: <laughs> well he's oh. a nice bloke he's very he helpful he's brilliant. Yeah.
2: I
1: would love to have him on sometime we've got him we've talked to him about that haven't we
2: yeah, we spoke to him at uh, Detectable. Well, I'll say we spoke to him. My kidnapped, demanded the phone over and let you speak right. to him. Right, I uh, really
1: enjoyed talking to him. Oh, lot.
2: yeah. Listening back to that program, it was one of the highlights of that um, that day's walk around.
1: I'm not taken away from anybody else I talked to that day, but he, he was my favorite.
2: He really yeah. was. Very, very interesting fellow. Um, oh, some of the stories as well go back many years and they're so interesting. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Now, for 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 an, again, a, a dumb American. Um, so it was a burial burial ritual. Would would have the person been buried with it or?
3: Yeah, what, what happened is the Celts. Um, they basically they, they buried the chariot. Um, they normally laid the wheels down. They put the chariot on top of that. The ponies, two ponies, would pull on the chariot. They'd have been buried in front of it. And the person in the fetal position in the chariot mm. um but but in this case um it turns out that it's it 's a chieftain or or you've heard yourselves of uh Bodicea. um it could be a queen we don 't know yet
1: mm. oh wow, that is crazy wild yeah uh, do, do they how much I might be jumping around here how much work's been done there, and how much More do we know?
3: Well, because of the ground conditions, um, in June when the British Museum were here, it was like concrete. It took them a whole week to get down 12 inches. Um, You know the way that archaeologists did, they had a a machine come in first of all and take off the first few inches, and then everything else was done, you know, scraping and and with mattocks and and so on. Um, It took them a whole week to get down to it. You could see the first four inches Um, of both the chariot wheels. And unfortunately, at that stage, the money was running out. Um, So we were left in a position, basically, where we couldn't continue. But at the same time, with the ground conditions being so hard, it was probably for the best. Um, Now in spring, when they go back, the ground hopefully will be a lot softer.
1: Okay. Do Do they suspect to find more? I mean, are these... Were these common at these kind of sites?
3: No, they weren't. They weren't common. Um, it's the first, it's not only the first chariot found in Wales or West Britain. There was no, there's never been one found anywhere outside of the east side of Britain. Mm. So it's a first for Wales. It's also, it's a, it's a king or a queen um, or a chieftain, if you know what I mean, um, which yeah. is a Celts king. Um, there's also two other burials in the field which uh, there's no, no chariot in them. Um, plus then you've got the, um, the ramparts from the fort and the tree line. Um, so it's basically, they've turned around and said, it's a previously unknown Celtic settlement. Mm. Um, and if anybody's heard of Castle Henleth, um, it's an Iron Age village near Cardigan uh, in Cardiganshire, or Caridigian. Um And that's on an acre of land. Um, the entire site is an acre of land. Now, this find of mine, uh, the field is 16 acres, and it's in approximately a quarter of that field, so you're talking about four acres there, so it's bigger wow.
2: than that. Wow, wow. Yeah. Incredible. Now, when the, uh, the museum that came down, I suspect they did use uh, ground-penetrating radar. Yes, they uh, did, yeah. Now, just for a quick explanation of what ground-penetrating radar actually is, because Mike was uh, obviously confused by the British terminology earlier, it's a geophysical method that uses radar pulses to image the subsurface. Uh, so yeah. basically, it sends down electromagnetic radiation and it bounces back up and causes um, darker and lighter patches to appear on a uh, computer uh, imaging system, which shows you where potentially walls are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so they used they did use ground penetrating radar at the sites. Did did that give any indication as to um the size or the task that may be evolved in the future
3: well yeah um what makes you laugh um when the person first did the ground penetrating radar um before they actually started um they turned round and they said to me don't expect much mike we're not expecting to find anything they just thought it was a hoard and that was it um although my first email to them at the british museum was um Hi Adam, this is Mike Smith from Hampshire Prospectors. Um, I found a Celtic chieftain's chariot burial. That was my first email to. And they basically mm-hmm. laughed at me and said, no, no, no way, you know, in the wrong part of the country, wrong area. Um, so when they came down in June and they said this to me, uh, we're not expecting to find much. Um, and then he did, uh, Ken Young, I believe his name was, he did his first um, field with the GPR equipment, first um, run with it. And he came back and my horde was smack bang in the middle of a 12-meter uh, round structure, now they didn't know if it was a round house or a ring ditch um, they're now quite confident this is a ring ditch um, and that's 12 metres in, dia- in diameter, Wow. 30 to 40 metres to the west of that is another burial and that's 21 metres in circumference and then further again, roughly the same distance to the west of that one, is another one of roughly the same sort of size
2: mm. so, so this is Potentially a unknown Celtic settlement, possibly bigger than Castelhenlis.
3: Yes, well, it, it is an unknown Celtic uh, Celtic settlement. It, it was it was it wasn't on the maps. Um, mm-hmm. They had no knowledge of it. Um, when David archaeology came down um, and Cadu, um, they they had no idea it was there. Um, so yeah, it's it's a completely unknown
2: settlement. So up to now, what items have been recovered uh, from regarding the chariot itself?
3: Well, initially I found, uh, I believe it's nine items. Um, and then the week they spent in June, I'm uh, on about fragments and so on, nothing intact at this time. Uh, another 30, 35, 36 items. Um, so in total, 40, 46 to 47 items. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's including mine. But now, that's not including the chariot, which, and the wheels, uh, the, this chariot was intact when it was put in the ground. They never dismantled wow. it. The mm. wheels are upright. Um, the body will st- would have been inside the chariot. Unfortunately, because of the ground conditions, um, they don't think there'll be much of the body left. Um, yeah. There may be teeth and there may be larger bones. Um Hopefully, hopefully, you know. Hopefully, at the depth, it will have created its own sort of atmosphere, and there will be a lot more preserved than there was closer to the surface. But until we get there, we don't know. But underneath the chariot is another three-meter mass uh, metal anomaly. They don't know wow. what it is yet.
2: Oh. So um, what? What is the plan of uh, with the archaeologists? In spring,
3: they're coming back, um, and it could take two to three months to get right. it out of the ground.
2: And are they going to include you as part of the uh, evaluation? Yes. yes. Brilliant.
3: Yeah, I'll be there for the full um, duration of it um, every day. <laughs> hmm. um, I, I won't be leaving a side. I'm making
2: now, Aaron Weedle from South Coast Detecting has asked, uh, have you now lost the field as a, 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 a general uh, detecting spot, spot and will you be allowed back on to detect?
3: I can go in the field myself. Um, but... I actually recommended. I asked the British Museum, would they contaminate the field? Yeah. Um, because of you know what it's like with Mike Hawkers and all that sort of thing. What they've done, the field is now scheduled. Um, but they've sprinkled, well, if not sprinkled. It's a wrong, wrong term. They've gone around the field basically with thousands and thousands of stainless steel washers.
2: Yeah. Good. Um,
3: and they've all they've all mm-hmm. been put in. The, they've all been put into the ground. Um. Plus, you know, you've got that added um, security now of the actual fact it is scheduled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what um, do you what do you mean by it's scheduled?
3: It's protected by law now. Okay. Um, okay. Nobody is actually allowed to go in there um, metal detecting. Um, the farmer is only allowed to, to do a shallow plough, but not in the corner of the field where the find is. He's not allowed to touch that yet. Mm. Um, once the plough. Uh, sorry, once the the, um, the chariot has been removed and the museum are happy there's nothing else there underneath the chariot as well, um, that schedule will then be lifted.
2: Uh, just for your information again, Mike, obviously being in the yeah. UK, a scheduled yeah. monument is a nationally important archaeological site or historic building Building yeah. given protection against unauthorised change. So okay. nothing nothing can be done there without the um archaeologists being on sites so now and they'll you're... have to have they will also have to have multiple um things in place with different different official to be able to do that as well and if yeah. you
1: got caught it would probably be prison time instead of if it was unprotected you'd probably get slapped with a a trespassing
2: fine i, I take it that's correct Okay, i mean in, 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 sorry you yourself first mike
3: um, what you've got to understand is I mean as we all know here in Britain there are a lot of what we call night hawkers people who mm-hmm. metal detect on land without permission from the landowner um, there's also people who metal detect on monuments um, hoping, hoping that they won't get caught now you imagine if I'd found this and I didn't have permission to be in there I'd have no claim right. I'd have no right to any of it mm-hmm. um, so you know it's, it's, in, it's in your interest get permission just don't Absolutely. go on people's property. Well, there, there's I mean,
2: something like twenty thousand scheduled mon- uh, monuments in the UK, Mike. So, yeah. uh, oh. if if you can think about the amount of areas, therefore, that people can't go near to metal detect, and as yeah. as Mike just said about night as you've seen us uh, yeah. produce some posts in the past about night night which is yeah. people going on sites that are not allowed to. And that's 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 the issue with scheduled monuments. That's why one of the reasons that it's scheduled is to keep treasure hunters, treasure seekers away. Uh, but this still goes on. Um, yes, it does. It's, it's, not, it's a bad thing for the subject in the UK. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it still goes on. Um, but there are different um, policing units which have been created to deal with heritage crime.
3: Well, there was three fellas recently, as you know yourself, um, up in the Bridge End, Newport area, I believe, um, who were, they'd found treasure and not reported it, and they were selling it on eBay and they were caught. Oh. And yeah, they received prison sentences, I believe.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh,
2: one of the questions I've got from uh, from Luke, uh, steel washers, is that normal procedure for them to seed um, not- the ground with that? And secondly, no. will the washers not hinder recovery of other random lost finds in the future?
3: No. Um, well, yes, in that sense. But what they've done, um, like, they either use, you know, steel washers um, or they'll use brass nuts and bolts, um, nails, that sort of thing. Um, but in something of this importance, um, the week that they were down in June, there was myself, there was John James Stoner, there was James Longman, there was Steve Lewis and Andrew Roth. We were all metal detecting the entire week on the rest of the field, so we're quite confident that there isn't anything significant in the rest of that field. Um, so in the area where the find is, obviously it's in the interests. You know they know where it is with their GPS locks. I know where it is because I, you know, I did the same. Uh, I took measurements from a hedge, um, measurements from another hedge, and so on. So I know exactly where it is. Um, but for safety reasons yeah i I think it's something that's got to be done,
2: yeah i agree yeah definitely i Especially I uh, if the, the rest of the site has been looked at as yeah as much as it has yeah
1: we we don't have the problem
2: <clears throat>
1: probably as bad as you guys do, but we do have issues. I know guys that uh you know they've been out metal detecting on property they have permission for, and then gone back and and found where other holes were dug and stuff and yeah, it is something you got to be careful about for sure and uh but over there with the history and well I would just yeah that I, I've actually seen some posts on night hawking before and stuff and I actually spoke up in a group I was in uh and so did a lot of other people somebody was talking about night hawking and why they felt justified doing it and everybody spoke up and put an end to that real quick so hopefully moving you know there's always a bad egg i don't care what you do what what you enjoy doing there's somebody but we just got to keep that keep beating on them it
3: can can be really bad i gained a new position uh, a new permission um the year before last and it was a potato field and uh I found the farmer up, and I said to him, "I said, when and when are you uh, uh, taking the potatoes out?" And he gave me the date. So I left it two days after. That's all it was—two days. I went in there, and there must have been—it wasn't a very big field—but there must have been between fifty and sixty unfilled holes. Oh. Somebody had just gone in there quick, um, who didn't have permission, um, and unfortunately, when I contact the farmer and say so, he just—he just. He just well, that was it. I lost permission as well. Yeah. You know, um, I do understand his frustration, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it, it's a terrible thing when you think you have permission or you know you have permission um, and you go there and somebody's beating you to it.
1: Yeah. It's really, really upsetting, isn't it? I, yeah. When I lived in Ohio, there was up in the northeast part of the county I lived in. I kept getting turned down and I met some of the nicest people, but they, they, were, they were tired of arrowhead hunters and people sneaking on their property to, to hunt and um, even metal detecting. And I mean, it, it affected that whole area and it shut a lot of us down because of a few bad apples. And I understand where the farmers are coming from. But these people that laugh and think it's funny that they've snuck into places, they're hurting their, themselves, uh, other yeah. legitimate hunters. And, um, you know, I've always said, you know, hey, if I get turned down, there's, I've got a million other places to go. It's okay. Exactly. You don't, I mean, you just, you don't do that to the hobby and farmers talk. Uh, i'm sure it's like it like that over there but you get in small communities where the the farmers talk and hey there's a bunch of holes in my field i'll tell you what it makes it hard to get in any farm farm field yes it uh, does
3: yeah
1: it's a it's a shame it's definitely a shame
3: i mean some some people depending on where you live um it is a lot more difficult to get permission uh and you find they've gone out and they've bought their metal detector um, the best thing to do, the the, the, the easiest advice to give somebody basically is make sure you've got permission before before you buy a machine, um, and if you haven't got much permission, join a club. Absolutely, you know, or stick to the beaches for a while.
2: Oh, I mean, I was privy. One of the uh, I'm I'm chairperson of uh, Tempest Archaeology and Metal Detecting Group, and uh, one of our members, uh, Graham Withers. Uh, on a site near Korea, we found a, a horde of uh, medieval coins, uh, I think about 15, 16 of them. And he invited somebody who was a member of the same club as him along with him to the site to uh, to have a go and what have you. And he knew for a fact that this person had found an additional one of these coins. Now, We continue. Graham was out having a meal with his wife, and he got a phone call from the farmer. Graham, are you metal detecting at night? He said, no, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm at so-and-so having a meal. Well, there's somebody metal detecting up here. I can see the lights going on in the field, etc., etc. Turns out it was said same person who uh, had been with him as a friend. Uh, therefore, they don't know if any additional coins were, were actually found. And When he reported it to the Portable Antiquity Scheme, uh, the FLO for the area contacted the said person who i would like to uh, name and shame but i can't because i'm quite polite uh mm. he uh he denied any knowledge whatsoever of knowing graham withers of being to the site and finding anything at all uh yeah. although everybody knows he did he, he refused to accept that and uh From what I've heard, said person, I know of something else that he'd done was completely out of order previous regarding a a major uh, hoard find. uh, But said person, he's been on, he's got a uh, small museum in his house featuring multiple artifacts which haven't been through PAS and are quite dubious to how they've been found in the first place. So, um, yes, it goes on. They uh, so
3: haven't. Have they gone through the? Well, obviously they haven't gone through. No, the
2: not either. at all. Not at all. I mean, there was there was people a couple of weeks ago that were uh, selling um, finds on the internet. Luke actually knew one of them um, from from different rallies and such like, and they were selling things which again may have been found in. Dubious circumstances, shall we say. So uh, it's, it's a terrible thing in the UK. Uh, not a month goes by where there's an article uh, not discussing night hawk- hawking in some capacity. And it's, um, I, I, I can't, I can't understa- I can understand why people do it. But at the same time, I can't understand why people would do that to somebody else, uh, land, etc., right. etc. And, and, and because of that, as well as uh, Mike alluded to previously, there are so many farmers in the UK who won't allow metal detectorists onto their land because of the negative press from Nighthawking and such like.
3: Well, I, I'll give you an idea now as well. Um, the, begin, the beginning of last year, or the, or the end of the year before, I can't remember now the exact dates, um, I approached a farmer locally. Um, I asked him for permission to go on his fields, and he turned me down. And he, he said, there's no Roman uh, or Celtic history in this area. He said, there's no point, um, you know, you're wasting your time. Um, so he, he wouldn't let me on his land. Uh, now, bearing in mind, this is about a mile as a crow flies from where I found this, this Celtic chariot. Um, so I'm now in the process now of recontacting him. I'll show him the article in the, in the magazine um, and hopefully he'll change his mind.
1: Now, speaking of that, I think that's a good – I think now is a good time to bring this up. A question I had, can you share, if any, any good things, positive things that have come out of this? And is there any negative things that have come out of this mind?
3: The the positive side of it is the the ratness. It's completely changed the known history for the area. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to rewrite the history books for the area. Um, which whats what they're going to teach in the schools, which my daughters go to. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be part of that. Um, also, they're going to do um, projects with, uh, you know, with the local people um, involving them in, in different aspects of what they're going to do in the future. And um, what you've got to keep in mind is it's going to take them two to three months for the chariot. There's another two burials in the field, and you've got the... Um, the ramparts and the fort in the wooded area. Um, and that's going to take 10 plus years more to do. Mm. Um, whether or not they develop it and turn it into another working village like Castle Henleth, I don't know. Um, but there's a lot in the pipeline that they're sort of discussing and I'm thinking about at the moment. So, you know, anything's possible. To be honest, on the negative side... Um, for me, it's just the length of time it's going to take. I want
0: it
1: out now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I can uh, imagine. That's got to be yeah. nerve-wracking.
2: I've yeah. just been doing a little bit of research while, uh, while you were talking, looking at the distance between Milford Haven and Castle Henlith. Yeah. And it's about uh, 28 miles. So as the yeah. crow flies, really, you know, looking back at Celtic times, that's not really that far. So, no. you know, and you've got... 28 miles in between you and all the way around where you've got potential of uh, Celtic Iron Age life in general. So, you know, yes. given this find, I, I presume it's not far from Milford Haven, um, you've, you've got a lot of uh, potential there.
3: Uh, well, I, I know for a fact with the research that I've been doing, um, some of the permissions that I've got now, uh, I've only just gained, um, is Celtic... Roman, Saxon, and Viking activity nearby, Uh if not on. Um, So, watch this space. Hopefully, I'll I'll be
2: having a few more things to show. And it would be nice to add uh, more to the story of of South Wales as well, in that respect. It would be fantastic.
3: Yeah.
2: So, I'd love to be kept abreast of that, um, obviously. And, you know, if you do find anything and you can, would like to come on again in the future to continue the story, and we would appreciate you doing that as well.
3: Yeah, well, come as, as you know, now with spring, it's going to take them three months to get that out. Of, yeah, two, months, two to three months to get out of the ground. Once that's out the ground, um, hopefully, I won't sort of have too many disagreements with the archaeologists, if you know what I'm saying, but I'll be taking as many photos as I can, um, for my mm-hmm. own record as well as, um, you know, for any publications in the future. Um, there's, there's going to be substantially a lot more to talk about. Um, mm. You know what is in, well, What I'm hoping is in the ground. Um, I don't know. Obviously, it's, it's just it's just hope. It's that there's something in there with the name of, you know, the person that's been buried. Yeah. yeah.
2: Going back nice. to the art. Going back to the artifacts, um, Mike. Yeah. They they. It looks like on the image they are. Well, it says below this bronze and enamel decoration would have been worn by a chariot's ponies. <laughs> So, yeah. the artifacts that you were found in, was there much coloration to all of them or was it just a few? All of
3: them. All right. Of them. Um, the first piece that I found, as I said, was that um, the Celtic horse harness junction piece on the back. you got two loops where the leather straps would have gone around the horse's breast, and that was in the middle of the breast. Um, you've got the tarot ring there, um, or tarot ring. Um, beautiful i'm
2: just looking at that as we speak
3: i know well that's a tobacco tin underneath so that shows you how right. big it is
2: yeah yeah the yeah. average yeah.
3: size the average size of a turret ring is only three or four inches
2: right um
3: and that is seven and a half nearly eight inches wow um Ooh. and they reckon that's a central um turret ring from the chariot there would have been another four to either side um they haven't been recovered yet um also the the brooch um there should be four of them in total, two on either side of the horse or the ponies, and there's two ponies, so there's another three of them there somewhere. Um, hopefully they're underneath the chariot, you know, in that three-metre mass of metal objects Is there.
2: Three metres, not small. It's a good ten foot, isn't it? So Yeah, you know, ten, ten foot round in diameter. What's going to be ten foot round? All I can think of at the moment is a UFO. Or... Well, <laughs> it's it's either, pretty big.
3: There, there was one up the line, you've probably read about it, there was one up the line where they found and the chieftain died in a battle, and he was
2: actually buried with all the weapons involved in that battle. Oh, wow. So it's a potential that this could be weapons? It, it could be weapons. Um, wow.
3: It could be valuable, we don't know. Um, either way, I mean, even if it's weapons, um, historically, the value is, is, is priceless. Um, you know, just to actually be there and see for me a sword or a spear or a shield anything like that to to see it seeing the light of day for the first time in over 2000 years it's mm-hmm. it's going to be mind blowing for me
1: the that i'm looking at the territ ring right now i hope i said yeah. that right w- what material is that made from do you know bronze bronze yeah i i, I am amazed of the that it's still got paint on it it's still got yeah. it. it's, it's it's not it's
3: not paint it's um it's a it's a, a form of glass that the the romans and the celts used
1: really? um
3: yeah and um, the, the funny thing is about it as well obviously when the romans first came here their um weapons were superior to the celts because they still had you know wooden spears and all that sort of thing bows and arrows um whereas by the time um the Celts were at force here. They were actually making better bronze swords than the Romans were.
0: Mm.
1: You
3: know, that, better metal then.
1: Yeah, those <laughs> well, pieces are just stunning. That is stunning. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm actually looking at uh, other other sites now because obviously there's different images in different... I mean, I, I'm on uh, one at the moment. Uh, what's the site? The tele- Western Telegraph. Yes. And uh, there's a a, a, a marvellous picture uh, it's a big sort of like uh, flower and it's got all the, the intricate red pieces in it that's the horse harness junction piece oh that's beautiful Absolute on the back
3: star. of that you've got two loops um, mm-hmm. that's basically the only way I could describe it when I first found it um, I've had what you call um, heraldic horse harness pieces here in the past which are early medieval um, and because of the, the colour of it I couldn't see the red enamel on it. It was covered in mud because it was a really muddy, you know, time of year. Um, It wasn't until I got it home and I cleaned it up, um, you know, with warm water and a toothbrush that the colors were coming through. But up until that point, um, I thought it was, you know, early medieval. It Mm. wasn't until after I got the colors up and I sent some pictures to Julian, um, Julian Hart. Um, He, you know, he told me what it was.
2: Um, yeah, you know, more and more. I look at these pictures. I'm on one at the moment, which uh, I presume uh, it looks like a normal ring, but it's obviously off the uh, the bridle itself. That's Every it single is. piece has got coloration in it. There's another piece that you've got in your hand, yeah. uh, which has got blues in it as well. Like, absolutely stunning. That's uh, I've ne- about I've the never seen wrong. anything. You're Sorry, about the little brooch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but I've never seen colors sure. like this in metal detecting finds. I know. Uh, I personally, know. phenomenal. I know. I know I couldn't believe it when I found it. That that
3: that little brooch there was about 80, perhaps 90 metres away um, in the same field. Mm-hmm. Um, but because up until 10 years before it was a ploughed field, you know yourself, things get dragged along. Um, so you don't know where about in the field that originated. We're, we're assuming it originated where the actual chariot is. Um but there could be more there.
2: Oh. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it I is. mean, I've had
3: some nice, I've had some nice Roman brooches, but they, they're not sure if it's Roman or if it's Celtic. They're not sure if it's part of, of the actual horde or if it's separate. Um, they're not sure yet.
2: Mm, I've just shared another, another one online on, on the, sorry, on the, uh, Metal Mode UK podcast on Spreaker, the, the chat room there. Uh, where they've actually got the archaeological finds in their uh, containers and such like, yeah. so you can see the size of the ring, you can see that the the, uh, the chain link, uh, the, you've got a better close up of the the two um, wheels in the ground. Uh, the, the the image itself of the fractured pieces put back together it looks much more beautiful on this page, as does the the turret ring. And oh, that must be you. you've got as much much hair as me. (laughs) (laughs) Is
3: that the picture of me squatting down by the wheels?
2: No, that's you standing in. um, I presume that's the, oh, I don't know what bridge that is, but you've got your mind lab bag on the side and, um, yes, standing um, on some decking.
3: Yeah. That's, that's, that's my friend, Steve Lewis's house. Right. Um, He's he's actually in special branch. He's a police officer. Uh, and occasionally we met at the tech together, but between (laughs) Lewis, John Stoner. James Longman and Andrew Roth, they all um generously donate time to that week um of the museum dig to help out um, you know they just came down they didn't have to um but they came down and volunteered to help um they's a sort of standing together there um, yeah
2: as well that's on the b b c site yeah, yeah now I
1: got a, a, a just a question I noticed are you holding a dais in the picture?
3: no. Uh, you know about the, the picture of me standing there?
1: Yes, with the group of yeah. guys.
2: Uh, the BBC one where you enlisted fellow detectorists to help your center. Right, I think it yeah, must be no. one of your friends who's got the machine.
3: Yeah, no, I haven't got a dais. Um, the machine I was using at that time um, was a Fisher F-75.
2: Yeah, yeah, no,
1: I know, but it looks like you're holding a dais, no?
3: No. Okay. No, I'd like to. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, until all this is settled, I
2: can't afford one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Crazy.
2: Yeah. To oh, be yeah, honest, those... Mike, this is fast becoming, you know, looking at. I've only looked at one or two pages uh, previously from obviously the information that the magazines uh, put out, but uh, this is fast becoming one of my my favourite. Obviously, I've got an affinity to Pembrokeshire from uh, going on Aldi there every year when i was a kid but yeah knowing that this you know i've been to milford haven my auntie and uncle used to live in haverford west right to be in the area where potentially you know this is this has been found is is, it's phenomenal um kudos to you um it's fantastic yeah Yeah, thank
1: you yeah me i i love history and in archaeology has just always fascinated me I'm with you, Dave. We definitely agree on that kind of stuff. You know, I, I'll tell you, I couldn't be an archaeologist because of this. Simply, I, there's no way I could wait months before I started digging again. I just couldn't. I, I would never have the patience to use the brush and the, the little trowel and go that slow. I—I, I, It's amazing that they can do that. But, yeah, I would. Uh, you, you, you have to come. We'll have to have you back on the show if you don't mind as things each time it progresses i want to keep track of this and get you back and and hear more mm. that would be great yes yeah. yeah do
2: you know mike i was lucky enough back in the early 2000s to actually be a part of an uh, archaeological group and yeah. uh actually take part in in proper archaeology uh and you know what it's we all know listening to the show you know it's a metal detecting related podcast we all know how therapeutic metal detecting is but again in a different area lying on your belly if mm. the sun on your back brushing yeah. brushing little minute bits of soil and dust away from you know bricks and such like in the ground it's 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 phenomenal um uh, no, it's an extension to to metal detecting you know the more you learn about archaeology the more you learn about metal detecting and vice versa i think right oh i you
1: you... go on sorry no i was just going to say i have a huge respect for archaeology and find it fascinating and uh it's just i love history that's what got me into this hobby was just absolutely the history
3: same same here I, i love the history um on the same note i mean for me, as, as much as I love watching archaeologists, I couldn't actually be one. For me, the reason being is, um, I don't know if many people are aware of it, to become an archaeologist, you're not allowed to be a metal detectorist, and there's nothing that would make me give this up. I, you know, I couldn't give it up. Mm, yeah. I've been doing it that long, I've been doing it that long, and as you're saying, it's so therapeutic. Um, but where else do you get the fresh air, the views that we get, the exercise you're having while you're doing it? Um you know that peace and quiet. It's it's just I couldn't give that up to be an archaeologist. I couldn't do mm. it.
2: How how did you find the archaeologists while when you were um, alongside them?
3: Um, very good, very good. Um, you know, um, they never. I don't think they they truly believed that there was a chariot there. Um, I mean, I, well, as I said, yeah, the first email I sent them saying I'd found a Celtic teaching chariot, yeah. um, and they wouldn't accept that, basically. I said, no way. Um, and it wasn't until... They started on the 20th of June, and it wasn't until six days later they got to the top of the wheels of the chariot. Um, and it wow. was, with, you know, with our assistance, with the metal detectors as well, we'd show them as they were going down where there was metal objects and so on. Um, and it wasn't until the sixth day... Um, that they actually got to the top of the wheels. Um, the look on their faces was priceless.
1: Hey guys, I, Oh, I feel horrible about this and I apologize. Um, we could go on forever and I would like to have you back again. My leg is getting really sore being in the same position. I feel like I've kind of gotten to a point. I've overdone it a little bit today. Um, yeah if it would be okay let's end the show and um mike please keep in touch we would love to have you back with any updates um if you know if we haven't touched on enough yet let's get you back for a part two before the archaeologists are back but i i feel like um my legs just getting too stiff and sore I yes, understand that's part of metal detecting, unfortunately. Yeah,
3: yeah. Now I understand,
2: spider. Meg, you know exactly what my my leg was like not long ago, so yes. I can totally appreciate that. Yeah. I'm Since I've been metal
3: detecting in the cold weather, I get sciatic nerve problems, my base, my back goes. Um it's all to do with metal detecting. We all do it, we all get those aches and pains, but right. we just don't stop.
2: Right. Yeah, but Mike's, not, Mike's not as old as me, I've just found out. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the age thing there. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm the young yeah. one. Okay, guys. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we appreciate it. So please keep in touch with both of us. I will
3: do yeah, thank thanks you both. Thanks,
2: Mike. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Yeah, thank, you thank you very much.
1: Thank you all for listening. And um, good night, everybody. Thank you so much, Mike.
2: Good night. Take care, Mike. Good night. Good night.